Our podcast provides an open space for critical and civil exchange of ideas. Some content may include topics such as suicide, mental illness, trauma, and other difficult subjects. We acknowledge this content may be difficult. Please consult your doctor or call the National Suicide Hotline if you are experiencing any thoughts of harming yourself or others. We ask listeners to help create an atmosphere of mutual respect and understanding as we discuss emotionally complicated subjects. We also encourage you to care for your safety and well-being. I am Riley. I am a new mom as of about two months ago, almost three now. Um, My kid's name is Archer, and that's how I'm going to start. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jaden. I am not as new of a mom. Um, I have three kids. My oldest is five. Her name is Elowen, and then I have... 11-month-old twins, um, Dean and Delilah. I know they're old. Don't, <laughs> let's not talk about it. I don't want to cry. I'm not ready. Oh, my God. They're 11 months, like, today or yeah, yesterday. Today. Today's the 12th? Yeah, today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think my day's mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, I, just to kind of give a little bit of an idea of our, quote-unquote, credentials, um, oh, right. I struggle before pregnancy. I struggled with depression and anxiety. Um, during pregnancy, I had depression problems with my twins. I did not with Elowen. I don't know why, because she's a lot. Um, <laughs> they came, the problems came after, <laughs> after, after Elowen was born was when all my problems started. Um, I think I had, I think I had, um, prenatal, anxiety for you with Ellen. <laughs> facts yeah. you were anxious about everything mm-hmm. um i post-pregnancy postpartum depression with both of them i did not have a bond with delilah until she was about three months old when i started treating my postpartum depression um i'm not sure if that's postpartum psychosis or not but it kind of felt like it because I definitely did not love her, which sounds really shitty. Wow. Right. Okay. We're not psychiatrists, so we can't diagnose. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I have actually no medical credentials. Okay. So don't. <laughs> I'm just reading you what I find on Google. We're just Google. trying to be relatable here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to let Riley explain her. Yeah, I guess I forgot about that part. So, um, fun facts here. I think... (laughs) That's what it feels like. It feels like we're at work and going around sharing our little icebreakers. (laughs) Fun fact. Fun fact, I'm depressed. (laughs) Probably been depressed since I was a teenager. Experienced a lot of depression and, like... Well, just the whole teenage years. And then eventually I kind of, I didn't get over it, but it was a little bit better. (laughs) So when we decided to get pregnant, I went off of my antidepressants. Because, you know, so many people hear stories about how there's only certain kind of antidepressants that you can be on that are safe during pregnancy. Otherwise, they might affect the baby. So... Um, I had decided to go off of my antidepressants that I had been on for at least eight years at that point. As long as I've known you. 
Yeah, it was... So, yeah, about eight years. Yeah, it was definitely a difficult time. We've known each other for longer than that, as long as we've been best friends. Yeah. And definitely was depressed throughout the entire pregnancy, and now I've given birth, and we're, we're just chugging along. Um, Are you depressed now? I am. I think it's a constant thing, always being depressed. <laughs> I don't know life without being depressed. Same. <laughs> my psychiatrist told me, about a month after pregnancy, my psychiatrist told me that um, I... I thought I was experiencing postpartum depression symptoms, and my psychiatrist was like, no, it's too early for that. And I was like, okay. And so I told- A month after? Yeah. And so then I told my counselor that, and then I was like, I guess I'm just experiencing plain old normal depression. And she was like, uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. We'll talk about that specific story when we get to your- your part because <laughs> I have something to say, <laughs> but I don't want to like read your notes for you. All right, so let's move on here. Um, <coughs> this episode, our very first episode, we're actually going to go more into detail about prenatal and postpartum depression and psychosis for that. Um, <clears throat> so let's see. Uh, I would like to start with prenatal depression. This this got pretty serious pretty quick. I guess. That's fine. I mean, that's kind of how it works. Oh, it's not. It's called um, perinatal depression. It happens during pregnancy or in the first year after having a baby. So I guess it could still be postpartum. Antenatal. That's the word that I I researched this. Antenatal. Is the the, preg- the depression during pregnancy. Perinatal is just the all-over depression. Just constant pregnancy depression. Yes, related to pregnancy. Um, it affects up to one in seven women, so that's about 15%. Personally, I feel like they could redo that study. I feel like every woman I know is depressed during pregnancy, and it's not something that people talk about. Not necessarily depressed, but I don't think many women are happy when they are pregnant. <laughs> um, I can, coming from both sides of the spectrum, because um, with Elowen, I did not have any depression symptoms. I was happy as can be. Like, I absolutely loved my pregnancy. You were hormonal. I was, okay, well, yeah, you're hormonal. You've got so many hormones racing through your body. I literally cried about everything all the time (laughs) but with the twins I was okay for the first trimester second trimester I started to kind of go downhill um third trimester I was done I wanted Mm -hmm. to be back on my meds but of course Mm -hmm. they told me the meds that I was taking I couldn't take because it could cause something called limp baby syndrome which sounds terrifying yeah i was gonna say that sounds horrifying but really it's just because the antidepressants are in your system this the specific antidepressant that i'm taking is in your system and it goes into the baby and makes them like super relaxed so then that seems pretty chill (laughs) right right like that doesn't seem like a horrible idea but at the same time i'm really glad that i didn't start my meds because when dean and delilah were born delilah was wide awake but dean literally slept for the first week of his life like did not eat okay just slept but i think that's that's a a boy thing (laughs) no (laughs) okay okay i know theo did it i know theo 
did it. I know Dean did it. I wasn't sure if Archer did. Maybe I just didn't sleep. Antenatal depression is a lot harder to see it um, just because when they're diagnosing depressions, the symptoms that the doctors look for are the same symptoms of pregnancy. So like you don't have very much motivation or you're exhausted. All of that is symptoms of depression and pregnancy. So... (laughs) Like, or like for me, my main symptom is nausea of both depression and pregnancy, apparently. So, you were so sick. Oh my god, it was so bad. (laughs) So, sorry, I started kind of laughing when you said that the same pregnancy symptoms and depression symptoms are like the same thing. Because I literally remember in high school, I made it through high school without getting pregnant, just so you know. But I definitely spent a good portion of high school being like, am I just depressed or am I pregnant? <laughs> because, you know, you're, you're a teenager, you go to Google and you... Uh, <laughs> the first thing it says... You were pregnant. Yeah. Like, what? I haven't even sex yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm really tired and I don't feel good. And, you know, you type in those things and it's like pregnancy. And I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Nausea. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, great. Um, okay. So let's see. Um,. It's important to remember that in prenatal depressions, it happens in all pregnancies. It can happen for in pregnancies that you really, really, really wanted or in unexpected pregnancies. Um, and the glow of pregnancy can really make women and new mothers feel very isolated, which for me, I don't know about you, but that made my depression so much worse because I just saw so many. Well, in growing up, I saw so many people who wanted babies wanted to be pregnant it made them the happiest as could be and here I was like I cannot move from bed (laughs) like I definitely did not I I've never seen a pregnant woman that was like I'm glowing like you all look like (laughs) and that's coming from someone who looked like crap during their pregnancy um but when I was reading stories about prenatal depression I did find that uh so many people experience chronic nausea and pain, and they all had that prenatal depression. Um, I read about women who were actual obstetricians, OBGYNs. I think you said it right. <laughs> obstetricians. <laughs> and didn't feel like they loved the baby when they saw their hearts beating on the ultrasound. And for me, when I was pregnant, it, I had the hardest time... I mean, I think I'm one of those people who I don't really believe in something until I see something. So, just because like, you're seeing it on an ultrasound doesn't mean, that, yeah, no, I'm the same there. exact way. Because yeah. I had no like emotion. Like, obviously, like I loved my kids when they were in utero, but at the same time, it was like, okay, they're just a picture right now. Right. And then once they were born, it was different. Because yeah, it was like, it holy so much crap, yeah. this actually was inside of me. Yeah. But I think with that, it, like, there's just so much mom guilt that I felt, for sure. For, like, because I did not, I didn't feel that connection for a very, very long time with Archer. Um, and there's so many, there's just so much mom guilt, and I think that's what really made my 
prenatal depression, antenatal depression so bad. But there's also, so like one of the things that I really wanted to do was have an active pregnancy or even like there's so much, you know, on TV, you see them reading or playing music on their stomach so that the baby can hear it. I don't think I did that once. I one time put, when I was pregnant with Ellie... I didn't have like headphones like the ones that go yeah so I put an earbud in my belly button <laughs> yeah, oh my god you would <laughs> um I only did that once because then she didn't like move around or anything so I just assumed she couldn't hear it and I was like fine <laughs> and whatever I want to listen <laughs> yeah so that happened um <laughs> I don't think Chris even knows about that I think yeah. I did that when I was home alone that's a weird one <laughs> And now everybody knows. You know, that's okay. <laughs> she's five. She's relatively okay. Yeah, yeah. She's relatively fine, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> you'll what you'll understand. What song did you want to Um. <laughs> this might be the reason she's messed up. Um, so when, El- when I was pregnant with Elowen, um, anytime... Eminem, like the rapper, would come on. She would start wiggling around, and yeah. so I blasted that through my belly button, or tried to. I'm not sure if she heard it. Um, and even now, as like a five year old, she loves him. A lot of the prenatal depression, and I mean, like people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of it is just the guilt that you feel as a mom already. That mom guilt already started. So many people are like, "Oh, how wonderful! You're pregnant, isn't it wonderful?" And the, you just like vomit your guts out for like two hours, and no, you just want to be not... like, "No, this sucks." <laughs> yeah, there isn't a good. Thing. And for me, I felt like I really couldn't talk too much about my depression. There was so many women in the world who would kill for to be in my position. And I just had such guilt for not feeling grateful about it. Um, there was even some guilt that I had personally when we got when we first got pregnant, um, because Mason and I really like we did the whole actual trying thing. And then a month later, we were pregnant. Like, we did the ovulation kit and everything. And then a month later, we were pregnant. And so many people have difficulty getting pregnant. So when when it happened, then I was even guilty. I was like, oh, it worked. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I... um... I have PCOS and that limits your ability to get pregnant. It affects your fertility. And I'm a part of a lot of groups um, that are, it's groups of women with PCOS and you just constantly see this. I've been trying for seven years. I've been trying for 15 years. Mm -hmm. Like I just want a baby. Like when is it going to be my turn? And I got lucky with Ellie. I got pregnant. I stopped taking my birth control in July and found out October 1st I was pregnant. Like, I got pregnant fast with her. And then after her, my PCOS symptoms flared up. And we started trying to have another baby when she was three. Mm -hmm. And she was four and a half by the time they were born. Like, at a year, we went in and I was like, this isn't... Yeah, we... We did all of the fertility treatments or uh, tests to see what was wrong. Obviously, it was me um, because I have PCOS. My ovulation levels weren't reaching where they needed to. And they put me on letrozole, which they put me on letrozole because you're less likely to end up with multiples. And 
Um, the beginning of my pregnancy at eight weeks, we found out they were triplets. <laughs> Obviously, we don't have triplets. We have twins because at eight weeks, the third one's heart rate, my heartbeat wasn't there, which not a big deal because I didn't know about it beforehand. I know that makes me sound shitty. And like, I definitely had some mom guilt about that, about not yeah. being so sad about it. Because everyone was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's not like I knew them. It's yeah. not. And like now... I do occasionally think about that third baby and I'm like, would they have been a boy or a girl? Would they have looked like Dean? Would they have looked like Delilah? Because they do not look alike. Would they? (laughs) Everybody grieves in their own way. And I do remember that time and you definitely were like, you had a difficult time, but you had a difficult time in your own way. Like you weren't yourself. Yeah, I was, it was weird because like I knew that they were there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. My body absorbed the third baby, just mm-hmm. in case you're wondering, because everyone always asks me that. Because um, Dean and Delilah are obviously fraternal, while this third one was also fraternal. Um, and knowing that it was still in my body, but it wasn't getting any bigger, and we were doing ultrasounds like every two weeks to mm-hmm. watch that, yep. that was a little bit hard. Right. Just because it's like, what could you, you have, have been? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who could you have been? But at the same time, like, as a young mom, I can't imagine going from one to four kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. I one to yeah. three kids is a lot. Yep. No, I think that, I mean, everything, I don't know if you believe everything happens for a reason, but that's one of the things that you can be oh, like, yeah, hey. no, that definitely happened for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> strong believer in science i'm not a um very religious person and they did like while watching my ultrasounds they did say they noticed that the amniotic sac was deformed and so that was likely a chromosomal problem and you know all that and so it was like okay that happened for a reason now like people who are further along into their pregnancies um I don't think that happens for a reason. Oh, I completely agree. And I can talk about miscarriages as our... our I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about yeah, your com- sister. Yeah, that's a completely different topic in general. And she she's pretty, pretty open about it, so other people know. My, my younger sister had a miscarriage the week that the Roe v. Wade decision came out. Um... So it was really heartbreaking for her and a lot of what they did could be construed as an abortion. So I know that, I mean, she had a very hard time with that. But that that, that whole discussion, I think, can be for a completely different episode, Rainbow Babies and all of that. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, But yeah, so with that year, with so many people having difficulties getting pregnant, it was really hard not to feel guilty for the thoughts that I was having like I felt like me being miserable was me not being grateful for the pregnancy that I had but in reality like there um I think that I asked myself what would happen 
to like there's so many different questions and anxieties that I had I feared resenting my child as a young woman Jaden knows that I didn't really want children I had a couple of bad babysitting situations where I didn't really want children so I was worried that I was going to like resent my child kind of like made me feel even more guilty but like let me just say at the after giving birth there really is just like a switch that flips as cliche as it sounds as much as probably every pregnant woman hears there's really a flip that happens where you're like oh my gosh this is it's just un indescribable I guess. And the depression's still there. I'm still depressed, but I love my child. Yeah, exactly. The depression is still there, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm missing out on, like, the things that I wanted to do, like, traveling and things like that. Like, they're still going to happen. It's just that now they're going to... Yeah, and now they're going to happen with another person that I love who might be a little less annoying than Mason traveling. Now it's kind of a good segue. Like I said, after giving birth, the depression was still there for me. Um, Like I said earlier, my psychiatrist said it wasn't postpartum depression. It was just baby blues. That's what they called it. Baby blues. No, I have a note in your notes because I wrote the notes. They In the notes, it does talk about baby blues. And it's like anything after two weeks is considered postpartum depression so when you said a month i yeah. was like no it starts one to or two to and three days sure after birth read too. and then two weeks any longer than two weeks is not baby blues like they're totally different things and i didn't know that they were different things i just assumed postpartum depression was the fancy name for baby <laughs> for blues. <laughs> <laughs> which i mean like postpartum depression that's more like of a serious thing like mm-hmm. like um the withdrawing and difficult bonding with baby that's something that doctors or psychiatrists or people in general worry about like like my um therapist once said to me like i go to therapy i just started therapy again hey i'm proud of you Thanks. i finally found, a <laughs> found somebody yeah yeah we'll, we'll go into that later <laughs> Um, but my therapist said that postpartum depression really has such a negative con- connotation. Um, like everybody thinks it's the worst thing that could pot- possibly happen. And because that you're a bad mom yeah. if you have postpartum depression. And you're not. It really isn't. Um, it's completely normal. I mean, as somebody who has had depression for most of my life, it's a completely normal thing to have the postpartum depression just because of all the hormones that are going on in your body and I mean something just left your body you just went through no matter how you gave birth I really feel like it's a traumatic experience I was just gonna (laughs) say I I know um I've given birth naturally and through a c-section and both are traumatic like I don't I personally don't look at either of them as like a like I'm traumatized Mm -hmm. but at the same time like right having been through it I depending on how you are as a person no matter what birth is traumatic and they talk about birth trauma like that's been a really big thing I've seen a lot of lately yeah um and I think it's something that needs to be talked about because it does affect your mental state you know post Mm -hmm. or post delivery you have this trauma of 
giving birth and I know like I even still think about giving birth to Ellie yeah how I was losing consciousness and how yeah, it was they scary. had the oxygen mask on me and I heard them say her heart rate's dropping apparently it was my heart rate not Ellie's heart rate and I panicked mm-hmm. like I still think about that mm-hmm. and she's five yeah she's completely fine now so, yeah yeah no and I'm the same way I think that the giving birth I ended up having a c-section but even before then it was I mean and it's also such huge pain that is 100% worse than getting kicked in the balls I cannot like it's just okay (laughs) getting kicked in the balls I assume is a sharp pain um and then I feel like it maybe radiates out like when you stub your toe yeah exactly or like except it's Worse than hitting your, yeah, getting hit in your funny bone. I completely believe that. But when it comes to giving birth, um, I, no, I sounded like a cow. (laughs) Like, just, uh, (laughs) it was awful. I hated it. (laughs) Everything that I did, Mason was like, you leaned on the nurse and not on me. And I was like, I, honest to God, don't even remember getting out of the tub. <laughs> He's all butthurt because you were like, I'm having the nurse help me through a medical situation. <laughs> um, but I'm reading through these signs. And it's kind of weird that the psychiatrist thought I had baby blues instead of postpartum depression. Because, <laughs> I mean, I definitely had all of this. Apparently your psychiatrist doesn't know what they're doing and you should get a new one okay but she actually we can talk about meds later but she's actually a pretty smart lady with the meds and stuff okay she she told me to do my own research and i was like i like you oh no i always do my own research i'm pretty sure that i have rheumatoid arthritis (laughs) it runs in my family i googled my symptoms and i think i have an aneurysm (laughs) true story that happened So, just to go through these symptoms here. Um, so, baby blues, according to the internet. <laughs> Thanks, Google. Um, this is from mayoclinic.com. So, it's a medical Yeah, medical website. website. Is it mayoclinic.com or .org? I bet it's .org. <laughs> oh, you have my phone. I can't look. Um, honestly, I don't know. It was from Mayo Clinic. Me neither. Well, well, you can do your own research, like my psychiatrist. Yes, told me. absolutely, do your own research. Oh yeah, for sure. And then talk to your doctor. But also look don't at credible websites. You know, use use. Don't look at WebMD. Use what your um, English teacher taught you when you were you were writing your research papers. <laughs> Baby blue symptoms. <laughs> so mood swings, check. Anxiety, check. Sadness or longing. Longing? Uh, Cr- or crying. Sadness or crying. Sorry, I slash crying. I Longing. I sadness and longing. I'm longing for some sleep. <laughs> Apparently that's just baby blues. Which I mean, <laughs> that makes sense. I think, like, regardless of if you have mental health issues you want sleep yeah Um, if you're just a new mom you're you're just gonna want some sleep yeah yeah exactly my kids are almost a year old they still don't sleep through the night i don't know what to do (laughs) i'm in totally uncharted territory i'm like what do i do next month when you turn a year and stop eating in the middle of the night ah 
<laughs> I don't even want to think about things like that yet. Um, anyways, irritability and feeling overwhelmed. Check. <laughs> Reduced sleep and concentration. Um, actually, when I could fall I mean reduced sleep everybody has that whether they want it or well, not well that's what I was thinking too when I wrote it and I was like I mean obviously but I think it means like even more than that like even between like feedings you're not sleeping because you're so anxious or yeah. your, your brain just won't shut off which I definitely always have that I think I for me I suffered more with postpartum anxiety than depression anyways um the last one for baby blues is appetite problems um which i mean always <laughs> us going grocery shopping and buying all the meal stuff and then me only eating snacks and, <laughs> and then getting really depressed because i don't have any snacks yeah well, already out. You just went to the grocery store two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't buy enough. Literally a 40-ounce bag of trail mix lasts me two days, so. <laughs> um, and then for postpartum depression symptoms, they kind of actually seem pretty freaking similar, but... Depressed severe. mood, severe mood swings, so severe, all of the baby blue things, but more severe. So you determine, or no, your psychiatrist and psychologist, they will determine whether or not you're feeling severe or not. And also, can we talk about the excessive crying? Because like, what's excessive? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I cried with any of my kids. I, I honest to God, did not either. Um... Except with like the C section, I cried, but that's for a different. Oh no, I didn't cry. Story. I had I had so much warning because mine was planned. Yeah, I had so much warning, and I knew it was coming, even though it was nine days early than my planned one. I was super prepared. Right. Um, so that was different versus like when you had yours was an emergency. Yeah. So that's totally different, and well, I cried because. For myself, but I also, like, after Archer came out and started crying, obviously, with a, with that C emergency he section I had, he couldn't immediately be put on my chest. And I just really hyper-focused on that after he came out. I was like, all the studies say that skin-to-skin is the best for the child, and now he will never be bonded to me. That was my feeling. Oh, so you had some of that mom guilt with yeah. that. Yeah. Difficulty bonding with baby, which is something that Jaden experienced and I experienced it myself like even after Archer came out um I felt like I wasn't bonding with him necessarily like he just felt like a responsibility to me <laughs> kind of like a pet like you you love them but you wouldn't sacrifice yourself yourself for them which that makes me sound really really horrible I would now yeah but at first it was like it's like when and your really sibling you has no until you're in that situation if you would sacrifice right for, for sure because i like... feel i you i know you very well and you are such a great mom that i do feel like even you would sacrifice yourself for your fucking cat <laughs> not not amelia but i do think um i actually think i think i would sacrifice myself faster for amelia than i would for thunderball mm. he's a little ass and i love him <laughs> i do i love him so much but like amelia just gets me <laughs> 
she stays away from me and doesn't demand anything. This is why you would sacrifice yourself for a cat, but maybe not a dog, because a dog is pretty in your face. I love dogs, though. I like other people's pets. I don't really like having my own pets. The cats, the cats are my husband and my daughters, so... And then other postpartum depression symptoms, withdrawing from everything, um, loss of increased appetite. Oh, loss or increased appetite. Also <laughs> just a normal depression symptom. <laughs> What's different anyways? Um, insomnia and overwhelming fatigue and restlessness, intense anger or irritability instead of baby blues. That one is just irritability. But if it's intense. Like, to a point that, that this is why they talk about, like, purple crying. Yes. Um, because a lot of cases where the purple crying or, like, shaken baby syndrome hit and it's really bad, like, the cases of shaken baby syndrome, a lot of, you see a lot of those parents dealing with postpartum depression. Yes. Because you're, you're a hair trigger away from blowing your top. And, like, I've experienced this the intense anger especially with Elowen with my first mm-hmm. um I remember there was one night where because I remember thinking like how could you ever shake your baby yeah like yeah. what would ever possess you to exactly. do that and there was one night because the first two weeks that we had her home we didn't know she was lactose intolerant so she was just crying and crying and crying because she was sick mm-hmm. and um there was it was like day three of no sleep for me And no matter what I did, I couldn't get her to stop crying. And I just remember holding her and getting ready to shake her. Mm -hmm. And I caught myself and I was like, oh. Yep. And that's. This is how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and then like, that just comes with so much guilt. Because I mean, even I, I'm like, even just when that thought like kind of glosses through your brain, you're just like, oh my God, how could I ever think that? But really it is. I don't know. I think it's just human instinct. It's totally normal. It's <laughs> you're the thing that people don't understand. And the hardest part about postpartum depression is one, we don't have a ton of information about the human brain. Yep. Our studies on the human brain are so minimal. And two, you're not in control of it. Your hormones are raging. You're sleep deprived. You have this, you're stressed. You have this tiny, little human being that now depends on you for everything and that's Mm -hmm. a lot it's a lot of stress it's really scary and it's totally normal to have these feelings yep um which is why it's if you are experiencing any symptoms of postpartum depression it is very very important that you go and talk to somebody um you can always talk, if you have a good support system, you can always talk to them. But even just talking to a professional about your feelings, it'll, it, it's, if you talk to the right professional, it'll help immensely. So if you ever have thoughts of death, suicide, or harming yourself or anyone else, definitely go get checked out and make sure that you get the help that you need. Um, and this is, We've been talking as mothers here, but this can also um, go to fathers too. I know a lot of fathers do feel extreme postpartum depression. It's called paternal postpartum depression. Um, It has the same symptoms as 
um, mom postpartum depression and it's commonly seen in fathers who are young, have a history of depression, experience relationship problems, or have financial struggles. Um, so it's like we were talking about postpartum depression is pretty serious and if you you do want to go see a doctor if it doesn't fade after two weeks if it's getting worse if you're having a hard time caring for yourself or your baby you have hard um it's if it's hard to complete everyday tasks and if you are having any thoughts of harming yourself or your baby please please go get checked out we are not at any way those experts that you do need to talk about talk to if you are in any form of trouble and just touching on the fathers with postpartum depression um i know it sounds ridiculous and as moms we do rely on dads a lot Mm -hmm. to help out i know my husband's a stay-at-home dad um and he took the first week of the twins being home off work and that was a huge help Yes. And I actually, I feel really bad because I didn't know about the fathers experiencing postpartum depression until I was doing these notes and looking back, I wish I had been a better support system for him because he was definitely experiencing it. So if you, even if you're not experiencing it, your spouse, significant other, whatever, may be experiencing it. So please just look out for each other. I mean, that's a huge thing. And if you have concerns, don't be afraid to approach them. If they don't want to be approached about it look for outside help Uh um i know there's a lot of stigma about involuntary committal but if it's severe enough and it needs to be done you're doing what is best for you for your baby and for them and that's the most important thing absolutely yeah and i think one of the more important things if you're in a committed relationship or even if you are a single mom with a father um taking like part-time custody or anything like that i think it's really important to just have that open conversation with your um partner um whether you're with them or not just to let ask them and be like hey we did this today is that working for you are you upset about it um what just having that conversation and be like hey what's working for you and what's not because it's really hard to remember that you are even in a partnership once that huge change has happened of giving birth to a baby and having a brand new responsibility you still have some responsibility to your partnership and no matter what after you have a kid it's going your relationship with that person is going to change yeah but just have a conversation with that um partner ask them what's working for them and what if anything if there's anything that can be changed i think that's really important and having that open communication i think can help you guys feel less alone in the difficult task of raising a newborn okay so i do just want to preface before we get into postpartum psychosis um it is a lot more not that it's a lot more severe than postpartum depression it's just a level a different level of postpartum like severity um in that it's more is more scary. psychological yeah yes. it's it's genuinely scary mm-hmm. um so postpartum psychosis occurs in one to two out of a thousand birds um there's a sudden onset within the first two weeks a significant risk factor 
sisters, um, for those with family, a family history, a personal history of bipolar disorder or previous psychotic episodes. Um, another trigger warning, like there's, is suicide, um, approximately 5% suicide rate and a 4% infanticide rate, um, which if you don't know what that means, it means baby murder. Um, Mm -hmm. some of the symptoms are delusions or strange beliefs. A lot of people are seen to have like really intense religious beliefs, um, saying like a lot of people will say, um, God or the angels has told me to do this. Um, they have hallucinations. So seeing things, hearing things that could be any type of hallucination, um, feeling very irritated. So just like postpartum depression, just that like every little thing gets under your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, hyperactivity. So not being able to relax, being constantly on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, decreased need or inability to sleep. That kind of goes hand in hand with the, um, the hyperactivity. You're just so restless all the time paranoia or suspicion of those around you or things going on around you. So that kind of goes along with the delusions or strange beliefs. Some people will believe that they're being watched or that someone is coming for them. Um, Really intense, rapid mood swings. Um, Yes, you get mood swings with postpartum depression and baby blues and regular depression, but... The severity is just getting higher. Yeah, it's just getting more and more intense. Um, And difficulty communicating communicating at times that's not just like oh the baby had this kind of diaper at this time it's I genuinely cannot express what's going on inside my head and no matter how I put it you're not going to understand kind of Mm -hmm. thing like they just really feel like isolated yeah isolated is a really good word for it um this is an a medical emergency and it needs to be treated like that So please, if you're experiencing this or you see someone experiencing this, get them help as soon as possible. It is extremely important for them, for their baby, and for long term. Um, So I didn't really have like a ton of notes on that, but I did want to talk about one really famous case of postpartum psychosis. Um, And that's, I don't know if you guys know about her, but it's the Andrea Yates case. This um, is where we get into true crime. <laughs> I can't guarantee that we'll do this all the time. Um, if I find something that links up, then yes. But otherwise, yeah. it'll just be us. Right. Um, Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in June of 2001, Andrea Yates drowned her five children while suffering from postpartum psychosis. Um, she and her husband started having kids um, pretty quick after their their marriage in 1999 she was diagnosed um so july of 1999 she was diagnosed with postpartum depression um is this after her first kid too yeah i think this is like her third kid in okay or fourth kid in right third or fourth kid in i can't remember um she um was diagnosed with postpartum depression her doctor was like hey you really shouldn't have any more kids. Um, 
they had Which another child. It's got to be pretty serious for a doctor to say that unless it's kind of common for doctors to be like, hey, you have depression, don't have children. Well, and I think, so, I think what happened, and I didn't take very good notes on this, is that in 1999, she was told she has postpartum depression. She had actually been hospitalized, institutionalized for a psychotic break. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you know, we don't want this to keep happening. Right. Like, don't have any more kids. And then um, seven weeks later, she had a, she got pregnant with her fifth child. So it was her fourth child. Um, that she had the postpartum. They finally recognized yeah. probably too yep. because it's And they started her. About. So before she conceived, they started her on Haldol to help with the, del- the um, delusions. Right. Um, and so she had, she got pregnant seven weeks after they told her not to have any more kids. Um, in March of 2000. She, so she basically just <laughs> heard that. She was like, let me go have sex with my husband and have a baby. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Screw you for telling like, me what to don't do. Don't tell me what to do, which I am all for. But if a doctor tells you not to have any more kids because you're freaking crazy, don't have any more children, please. <laughs> yeah, I think that's please. just a different, I mean, that's, yeah, that's just a whole different level of. Don't tell me what to do. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so. March of 2000, she stopped taking the Haldol, and in November of 2000, so what, nine months later? Same. Yep. Yeah? Yep. Um, she nah. gave birth and was doing really well until her father died in March of 2001. Um, she began, like, her self-interest behaviors, so what I read actually said began mutilating herself. I did not read further into that because yikes Mm -hmm. um and obsessively reading the bible she began having those delusions that god was telling her that her children were pure now but they wouldn't be for much longer and she needed to do something to protect them um she stopped feeding the baby um and so their youngest i think her name was mary um she just wouldn't feed her and she became so incapacitated this just shows how scary postpartum psychosis is because, like, she's believing that if she feeds her children, they will not be pure anymore. Yeah, exactly. She became so incapacitated that she required immediate hospitalization. And in April of 2001, she was treated by a new doctor and released, which I think they should have kept, um, her. kept her because the next month she became so catatonic. She filled, this is where it gets real dark, she filled the bathtub to drown her kids but decided not to um she the next day she had told her husband about it and um she um and he admitted her she was hospitalized again so within a month she was hospitalized again because she went to an appointment and they found out about it and they said that she had filled it to try and drown herself Okay. Um, she actually admitted later, after her arrest, that in May of 2001, she had um, filled the bathtub to drown her kids. And then back to, I mean, this puts us right back to the beginning of June, so a month after that incident. A month after she was hospitalized, which she should not have been released. Again? She was released yeah, again? she was released again. So two hospitalizations in a row 
And the third, the second time she was released, she drowned her kids because she believed that they wouldn't be pure if they mm-hmm. stayed alive. Mm-hmm. And it gets really, really dark. I didn't write any of this down because I just, like, it was so it's seared so into cool. my brain. But she actually drowned the two oldest. And then she was, or the three oldest. And then she was in the process of drowning the baby. Do we know what led her to be like, okay, today I'm going to drown my children. This is the day. I didn't see anything on that other than like, she just was in a severe bout of psychosis. Um, But like she, her three-year-old, I think he was three. So the fourth child walked into the bathroom and saw her Mm -hmm. drowning the baby and tried to run and she chased him down. Mm -hmm. So it was very intentional but at the same time, it wasn't really, I don't think it was really premeditated in the aspect of, like, like I'm doing this because I want to. It was, I'm doing this because I have to and because my brain says I have to, which right. is the big kicker. Um, the scariest part about this, for me, is that she had, her husband had gone into work and an hour later, within an hour, his mother was supposed to show up and help her with the kids because they had told them do not leave Andrea alone with the kids. Oh gosh. So just a lot of not listening to Yeah, it was here. a lot of not listening. Like her husband did not believe in the medication. They yeah. were very, very religious. Um, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But you need to have a boundary where you listen to your beliefs versus listening to medical professionals. Yeah. Um but within that hour she had drowned them and she um called her husband at work and said something bad has happened you need to come home and then called the police on herself so she knew after the fact that it was wrong yeah I wonder at what point though too like and obviously hearing about her um how her three-year-old ran away from her and she chased them that's her telling people that i'm assuming yeah that's that's in her statement cameras that's something that she told so i mean this is really something that i wonder about um stories about murder and everything we always only hear from the murderer which is a biased statement like how just i don't know it's for me what what's horrifying is how scared that three-year-old must have been how scared even like you know in babies we don't know how aware they are they're aware when they're drowning i'm sure well and like her older children Mm -hmm. i can't remember exactly how old they all were but like they knew her three older children before the three-year-old i can't imagine putting my child in a situation where they're that afraid. And it takes so much effort to drown, to drown five somebody. kids. Yes. In so, less than an hour. I have a really hard time believing that she it's and it, like you said, it's in less than an hour. She not to really really i mean she's a criminal but not to really really criminalize somebody who was obviously suffering from mental illness but she really had to think through she had time to think through it 
between she did one bad thing and then another bad thing and then another bad thing it's not like oh i did a bad thing because i have mental illness i made a mistake she like yeah i definitely agree with that i think there is a level of criminality to it she and i think the thing that bugs me i didn't talk about this because i just feel like it's i think this is the scariest part for me about this story mm-hmm. is she laid them in bed together mm-hmm. and after she drowned the baby she laid the baby in the oldest child's arms yeah it's like horrifying. you you have time you have to move the body you have to position them the way like this is what she did and then she chased her three-year-old down yeah like that is horrifying yeah and i do think a part of her i mean obviously when you're suffering from postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis you're gonna you don't have, have the realistic thoughts. You're right. going to have indefinitely biased thoughts. But even like when I talked about my experience with postpartum depression with Elwyn and being ready to shake her, I had that consciousness to mm-hmm. say, I can't do this. Like, this isn't okay. And yeah. I know I've never experienced this level of depression or right, psychosis or anything. That. So I can't... I, I can't speak from personal experience, but I personally can't imagine as a mother doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why this mental illness conversation is so important to be had because it's very obvious that even though she did not, nobody in this story really listened to their doctors, I do think they still failed her. They sent her home knowing that she was a flight risk they sent her home being like hey you shouldn't be alone <laughs> like yeah. what what were they thinking they know i mean i they don't know everything about mental health in 2001 i mean we still don't know everything about mental yeah, health. yeah i mean especially more... in 2001 yeah though. yep but at the same time they knew enough to know that this lady should not be left alone then they're like, hey, let's go send you with five children. (laughs) And and they had no accountability whatsoever. Yeah, they... I mean, they kept releasing her from her hospitalizations. I think it's a huge red flag. She's hospitalized, she's released, and within a month, she's hospitalized again. Yes, with even, like, worse stories, I feel like. Right, Like, we didn't hear exactly what the first breakdown was. Yeah. But I'm assuming that it's not as bad as this drowning self. Right, exactly. And I think that's a really big thing to keep in mind. So, um, kind of just to kind of close all of this off. If you're experiencing any of these symptoms, if you're experiencing um, excessive crying, serious irritation, um, rapid mood swings, delusions, any of the symptoms we talked about today, please, please, please seek help. If you are thinking of harming yourself, um, there, please call the suicide hotline. The number is eight one or one eight zero zero. 273-8255. Don't be afraid to reach out. I mean... Seek help, for sure. Um, You're not alone in your thoughts. That's exactly why we started this. We We want people to realize that 
mental health is a very, very serious issue. Nobody knows everything about it. Um, even if you have talked to that professional and you feel like nobody's really listening, we are everybody's in the same boat here where they want what's best for you, they want what's best for your child. Um, so if you need help, make sure you just keep advocating for yourself. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for your kid. Um, seek that help that you need. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's very important and make sure you have a good support system. And if you don't find a support system, I know it's hard. There's groups on Facebook. There's, you know, every town has dozens of moms all at the same time. I know our hospital, at least when, um, I was pregnant with Ellie, they had a group like a moms to be group and you were all due around like within a two week period of each other. And there were weekly groups where you could talk about what was going on during your pregnancy and then post-birth they had um I think it's called moms to moms or whatever it is in I haven't heard about that one. Oh, moms to be right no I, I think it's called moms to moms or something like that well Which, there is a moms to be yeah um but it's like a support group I know that kind of sounds ridiculous I know a lot of people are going to be like oh like Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. But really, it's kind of the same thing. You need that support group. It's best to have others who have the same experience that you can be like, I'm not alone. Yeah. That that was a huge thing for me is finding out I was not alone in any of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, with that, we will sign off. This is Mental Mamas. We hope that you join us the next for the next recording. Thanks. Bye. Bye.